Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your goodness, your love, your spirit that blesses us. We thank you for the young people that have blessed us today. And Lord, we pray that they will connect this experience with being in the house of the Lord and that this will be impactful on them the rest of their lives. They'll remember that they led the people of God in worship. Lord, that is one of the most important reasons we have them here is to instill those experiences in their hearts. So I pray that you will be with each one of them as they move uh, through their various stages of academy and on into the next challenges that they will face. Go, go with all of them as this school year draws to a close. And Lord, I pray for the adventurers that you will continue to prosper them and uh, they are such a precious group. Now Lord, we turn our minds to your word and to relationships. Lord, I pray you will help us today to gain an insight that will make a difference in someone's life. In Jesus' name, amen. So I appreciate uh, uh, Ted Hamilton last Sabbath uh, doing such a fabulous job here um, with our festival Sabbath and the good work that he did. I, I really hate to ever miss a festival Sabbath, but there was a very important reason I was not here this last Sabbath, and I appreciate the good work that Ted did and Pastor Evan and the choir and all the others that participated last week, uh, the amazing job for another wonderful uh, festival Sabbath. Uh, the reason I wasn't here, many of you know, if you don't, uh, my wife Alicia has had impending surgery since last June. You know how that goes, right? So when she got her diagnosis of breast cancer last June, we thought we were going to have surgery right away, but then things worked out that they recommended she do chemotherapy treatment first. So you all walked with us and prayed us through that all last fall. And, and then surgery needed to follow that. And we kind of thought maybe it'd be January or February, but it, it didn't actually end up being scheduled until March 31. Now we've been trusting the Lord in this and I believe we can see his hand, how he's led us each step. So she had surgery, uh, on Friday, not yesterday, but a week ago Friday, and so I was with her uh, there at the hospital, and, and uh, there weren't any complications or surprises in that, so she was able to go home on that day, which sometimes I wonder what exactly the doctors are thinking, sending a patient home with me, but that was the best we could do at the time. And I'm very thankful to a lot of folks, a lot of different ones, and, and Debbie Edgerton is one who's been a real blessing to us and brought brought her skills and knowledge and come to the house and helped us out. But uh, just a quick update on how she's doing. So if, you, if you've ever been through a major surgery, you know, you have that first hump that's like, wow, I survived that. And it's kind of amazing. And you're thinking, wow, that's great. I survived that. And then you get about six or seven days out and you say, I am so miserable right now. I can't even believe this. So Alicia's going through those six, seven, eight days out time where she's doing okay, but man, it's just tough. So uh, she's joining us today online. I'm glad that uh, she's able to be with us today. She and, uh, she and Gable are watching at home, uh, and we're glad they're able to join us. So she's, she's making progress, but we got, we got a ways to go. So thank you for your prayers and all your help that everybody's done. I, I also asked Todd Shobatar to join me here. He's not just awkwardly sitting here. He's actually here. <laughs> for a reason, and uh, that reason will become obvious in just a little bit, so you're going to appreciate what he has to say today. All right, so 
So we're in this series, Relating, and today's title is Properly Loving the People You Love. But I want to remind you who the people you love are. So take a look around you, the people next to you, the people behind you. One of the blessings of the church is that God gives us this opportunity to be close to people. And those are the people we can love. So I want you to say it with me, looking around you. These are the people I love. All right. So today, as we consider how to properly love the people we love, and to get to that point, I want to start us today with a negative example from the Bible of how not to properly love the people you love. So here we go. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 1. There was a certain man from Ramathaim, a Zufite from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, son of Jeraham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuf, an Ephraimite. He had two wives. One was called Hannah and the other Penina. Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah had none. All right, so we got two verses here, but I just gave you a ton of information. So let's take a look at our context here, and let's do it with relational hubs again. So here we've got Elkanah. He's described here, and his father, Jeraham, and grandfather, Elihu, and Tohu, and Zuf. And then it says he was an Ephraimite. Ephraim was one of the two sons of Joseph. So he was in the tribe of Ephraim. And of course, you remember, Joseph's father was Jacob. Joseph's mother was Rachel. All right, hang on to that because some of these stories, certain elements have a way of repeating themselves sometimes. We're not actually going to dwell with Elkanah today, but we need him to set our context. So verse 3, year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife Penina and to all her sons and daughters, but to Hannah he gave a double portion because he loved her and the Lord had closed her womb. So let me just ask you off the top, does this look like a relational hub that possibly would be prone to a little internal strife? Yes, I think so. Because you've got Panina, the wife who actually bears children, and Hannah, the wife you actually love. Yeah, I'm guessing that created a bit of a problem sometimes. Okay, isn't it interesting that polygamy is actually still illegal in America, or at least it's illegal to be legally married to two people at the same time? It's pretty obvious it's a bad idea, right? And because of that, it's a little shocking sometimes that it's illegal because it's been a long time since we've had much energy to prohibit bad ideas in America, right? We kind of figured freedom means we should do stupid things, right? So for some reason, this is still illegal. So we'll be glad with that. But don't get distracted by that point. Verse 6. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This wasn't accidental. This was intentional. But on the other hand, your Panina, your, your 
providing sons and daughters, yet the other wife is loved. You can almost understand why she was hard to get along with, can't you? What is the perfect way for the less loved wife to get back at the loved wife? Well, you remember Leah and Rachel, right? All the way back to that story? Yeah, not a lot of stories where two wives worked out well. Verse 7, this went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Her husband Elkanah would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you so downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Great job missing the point, Elkanah. Yeah. There's another outstanding husband example. So we got tension with Panina. We've got disconnect with Elkanah. Hannah's hub's a little tough, but there's always the church, right? When we have a crisis, there's always the church. You can find a friend there, right? Verse 9, once when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on his chair by the doorstep of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life and no razor will ever be used on his head. Remember Samson? Interesting, right? As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Enter the great religious man here. Hannah was praying in her heart and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, how long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Oh, the great privilege of being the holy man. You can stand and condemn anyone you want. But how stupid to condemn wrongly. So here's Hannah. Tension with a rival wife disconnect with a husband who can't understand why she's so sad and condemnation from the man of God. This is how it's not supposed to happen. Okay, get a good look at that. Go, go back there for a second. This is how it's not supposed to happen. We're not supposed to have tension with the people that should be our friends. We're not supposed to have disconnect in family. And we're not supposed to get condemnation from the church when we go through struggles. So this is how it isn't supposed to happen. But I have someone here today who can tell you a different story. My wife and I uh, were college sweethearts. We uh, met, dated for about four years, and then got married and moved here to Orlando, Florida. And as part of that move, we had a lot of things to talk about, but one thing that never changed was we always were excited to start a family someday. And so like many young couples, we started going about that process of, of preparation. So we paid off some, some college bills, a few other debts, 
uh, we got ourselves into our first little home and started making plans for our future family. But lo and behold, that family didn't come. So we decided to check some things out, medically speaking. So we went and had some doctor visits. We went and uh, had even some surgical procedures done, all apparently to no avail. So we decided that then we would tell our family about this. And so we told our family the journey that we were on, and fortunately, we got incredible support from our family. I mean, we understood the story of Hannah. In fact, I remember we read the story of Hannah uh, in several different books from a few different points of view. So we understood this feeling that she had of, of this barrenness that she was experiencing. But we turned to our family, and fortunately, our, uh, our experience was the opposite of hers. We had incredibly supportive family, from our parents to our siblings. Uh, they prayed for us and were incredibly supportive. But for us, it was still being supported long distance because we were here in Orlando, and my family was in Michigan and Colorado. My wife's family was across the sea in Germany. So we were being loved at a distance, which is wonderful. So we then turned to our church family, and our church family was again incredibly supportive. In fact, uh, they held a special prayer service for Janine and I at the church. Uh, the elders and uh, pastoral staff and others came together. We had an anointing for us. And the rest of the church family that we had just surrounded us with love and affection. Time continued to pass, still no family. So then in that journey, we started to share some of the struggle, some of the, the pain, the difficulty that we were going through, and we were so incredibly blessed with many friends that rallied around us. And in fact, there are some friends that are here present this morning that were praying for us during that time, and I say thank you. And there are some that may be watching via live stream that were praying for us at the same time, and my wife and I again say thank you. But there were two families in particular uh, that we became very close with because both of these families were struggling with the same issues that we were. So Steve and Nancy Kreitner, good friends of ours, and Dave and Wendy Otati, uh, again, wonderful friends of ours, were struggling with these same issues that we were. And so we kind of came together in a little support group. In fact, we, we had a name for ourselves. It was the, the Infertility Club. Can I say that in church? I'm not sure if I can say that in church. <clears throat> so, uh, but we were, we, you know, we would get together and we would pray for each other. We would shed some tears together. We shared information together because we were always looking up things and trying to find new things and what was the latest uh, that science had to offer and, and, and this sort of thing. And then when the time came for celebrations, because there were celebrations to be had, we celebrated together with all the joy and the love that we could. So we were incredibly supported by these friends. But I remember one day in particular I came home from work, and my wife was on the couch in tears. 
She told me that we had just learned, that she had just learned earlier that day that one of our good friends uh, had an announcement, and the announcement was that they had a new child that was on the way. And of course, we were incredibly happy for them, incredibly happy for them. But at the same time, there was that familiar pain, that pain of asking God and saying, God, why, why is this happening to everyone, it seemed, but to us? And so it was a real struggle. And I remember sitting on the couch with my wife and talking this through. And, and those, the, the talk led to more tears, which led to getting on our knees in prayer. And we asked God during that time, we said, God, what is it that you want us to do here? Um, what is the plan that you have for us? We feel like you've, you've put this wish, this desire in our heart. Um, we very much at that moment felt and experienced the pain that Hannah had gone through, although we had an incredible group of support around us. But we kind of cried out to God in that moment, and we said, God, can you, can, can you do something for us? Can you, can you give us a sign? Can you give us guidance, direction? What do you want us to do? I remember it was about six o'clock that evening because I'd come home and after work and Janine and I would sat down and talked and, and then we got on our knees in prayer. So the very next day at about 10 o'clock in the morning, I remember I was in my cubicle at work and I got a phone call. And it was a phone call from a lady that I had met once, possibly twice. Uh, she worked in administration for a local church, um, a church that was not a part of, uh, of the faith tradition that I grew up in, so she was from a different denomination. Uh, incredible, just an incredible woman of faith, um, but I really didn't know her well. And her name was Faye Holmes. And uh, it was Faye on the phone, and she'd called, and she said, uh, Todd, uh, this, is, this is Faye Holmes. Had to think about it for a moment, and I thought, oh, yes, Faye. I, I, I had met her at that business meeting at the, with this church, and we'd exchanged business cards. And uh, so I said, uh, yes, hi, Faye. And she said, Todd, I, I hope you don't think um, that this is too crazy for me to call you about this. She said, but I believe that I have a word from the Lord for you. And I said, well, great. Uh, Faye, I'd, I'd, I'd love to have a word from the Lord. And she said, well, let me tell you what happened first. She said, last night I was, in a, uh, I was at a Bible study. She said, there's a, there's a group of ladies that gets together once a week, and, and, and we're, we're kind of a prayer warrior group. And she said, we get together once a week at between about six and seven at night. And, uh, and so she said, last night, I was on my knees in prayer, uh, uh, praying with all of these other ladies, and she said, God brought your face to, into my head and spoke to me, I believe, he said, you know, it wasn't audible words, but, but spoke into my spirit and said that he had a Bible text that he wanted me to share with you. And she said, you know, I have to be honest, I kind of resisted God a little bit. She said, but I want to be faithful, and so I'm calling you this morning with this Bible passage. So I reached for my Bible. I happen to have one there in my cubicle, and so, so I reached for it, and she said, I believe God wanted me to share Psalm 127 with you. 
So I opened my Bible and flipped to Psalm 127. Uh, Many of us may know or recognize this passage because it's a a rather famous one that says, unless the Lord builds this house, uh, those who build it labor in vain. So you may be familiar with that text. But it goes on a little bit more after that and says that children are a blessing from the Lord. And when when I read that part, it just it froze me in my tracks. So I, I said to Faye, I said, I said, Faye, let me ask you something. I said, in, in the one or two times we've met, have I ever mentioned to you that my wife and I are really struggling with trying to start a family? And she said, she said, no. Uh, she said, in fact, I, I, I really, you know, we never had a chance to talk about our families much. And, and, um, and she said, I, I had no idea whether you had children or family or not. She said, but now that you tell me this, Todd, she said, I believe that the Lord wanted you to know that you will be blessed as parents. So, um, having that happen, the very next, I mean, literally hours that I had asked for a sign from God, kind of shook me up a bit. I said, Faye, um, listen, I said, I'm gonna call Janine and I'm gonna talk to her, but can, can, can we take you out for dinner? Can my wife and I just take you out to dinner because I'd like to talk some more. So she said, sure. We arranged a time and, and I remember we went out to dinner with Faye and, uh, and as part of that, we, we told her about this journey that we were on, this struggle that we were in. And so she said, Todd and Janine, she said, let me ask you this, have you guys picked out a name for your child? We were like, no. So she said, well, here's what, I, here's what I'd like to suggest. She said, I want to suggest that you pick out a name for your child and then you let me know. She said, I'm going to go back to this group of ladies and I am going to, we are going to pray and we're not going to stop praying until God blesses you with that child. So we said, okay, um, We'll give it a shot. Faye suggested to us two more things. She said, Todd, I've been praying for you since we spoke last, and I do believe that God is saying uh, that you and your wife are going to have, need to have the faith of Abraham and Sarah. I, I, I don't know if this is going to happen soon or if it's going to happen a ways out. She said, but I believe God's promises are true, but you're going to need to have faith. And we said, okay. And she said, I would recommend that you go through 40 days of prayer, and she recommended a book to us that she had been through before, so my wife and I uh, got a book of 40 days of prayer, and we embarked on this 40-day spiritual journey of prayer. And during that time, we were praying, and we said, God, what would you have us to call our child if, uh, when you give us Uh, bless us with a child. So we didn't know whether God would give us a boy or a girl, and so we thought, well, we'll we'll pick a boy's name, we'll pick a girl's name. So after praying about it, we wanted Bible names, so we decided if it was a boy, we would call him Joshua Benjamin, and if it was a girl, we would call her Sarah Elizabeth. So we called Faye up, and we gave her these two names, and we said, these are the names if it's a boy or a girl. And, and, and Faye said, all right. She said, we're going to start praying. She said, now don't forget, you're going to have to have the faith of Abraham and be praying along with it. And we said, absolutely. So we got in touch with our other friends, family, church family, and said, 
we've got names. Sarah or Joshua, would you start praying for us? And I wish I could tell you that we got an answer overnight, but it was about four more years before we received news uh, on the morning of our 10th wedding anniversary, actually, uh, we found out that we were pregnant. Thank you. But the interesting thing is we found out that we were pregnant with twins. And not long after that, we learned that God was giving us not Sarah or Joshua, but Sarah and Joshua. God is good, and any opportunity to share that testimony is an incredible blessing, and I praise God for it. I have to tell you, we also would be remiss if we did not say thank you, because as I mentioned, we understood Hannah's dilemma that she was in, but our experience was we had incredible support. Our family supported us and loved us in prayer. We had a church family that prayed for us, anointed us. We had incredible friendships, broad. Again, many of you here that prayed for us at that time, and we thank you. We had this close-knit group of a couple of couples who understood our pain like no one else because they went through it as well. And then we had this incredible lady of faith who reached out and, you know, she didn't have to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, right? I mean, clearly she was taking a step of faith, and it could have been received in an entirely different light. She didn't know what my wife and I were going through, but she listened to the Spirit. She stepped forward in faith, <coughs> and I am grateful to Faye Holmes to this day for being an incredible example to me and to my family of praying for others on behalf of others and then stepping out in faith. I would be remiss if I didn't come full circle with that story and just mention that the two other couples, God blessed them incredibly as well. Between all three of our families, we now have nine children. The Otati family, of course, has four wonderful children. The Kreitner family, three amazing kids. And then we added our magnificent twins to that. And by the way, among all three of those families, each of us also has a set of twins. So we're incredibly blessed. story as you heard it. So first of all, this is Todd and Janine, and this is their hub, and they had people who blessed them, who poured into them. But now let me mention one thing before you take that away. They told their trial to others. It's very hard for family, for friends, 
for church family, for spirit-led folks to pour into your life if you never tell anybody your trial. They don't know. So the first key here to having this work right is you've got to be honest with the people you love, the people in your hub. Don't live in a little silent cone and then complain that nobody ever cares about your problems. Now, don't blab on and on about them. They'll get tired of that too. But you can't just sit there and expect everybody to know. So the first thing, they talked about it, but they had family who supported, they had friends who supported, they had church who supported, and God sent special messengers. This is how it's supposed to work. This is how the hub is supposed to be. Now that was the opposite of Hannah's experience. So you remember Hannah, she had the disconnect from the husband who couldn't understand. She had the rival wife. She had Eli, but remember, even if that's you, God is still with you. And even if your hub is broken down and you haven't gotten the support you need, God is still there. So Hannah's hub failed her, but God was faithful. I want to look at your hub. So now this is you. Remember, this is you, and it's generic, but, but it applies to you, and you can add different names within your hub, but there you are, and you have spouse and kids and extended family and friends and work associates and church family. Now, the temptation at this point is to think about what we've talked about today in a very self-centered way. And the easy thing for us to do right now would be for us to remember all the times those no-good people in our hub failed us when we needed them most. Right? Wouldn't that be easy to do? Because it happens. It's a valid point. But here's the thing to remember. There's not anything we can do about that most of the time. What could Hannah do to keep Panina from being mean to her? Well, not really anything. What could she do to make Elkanah act right? Isn't that the eternal question of every wife? What could she do to be better understood by the priest? So it's not going to do us a lot of good to focus at this point on all the times our hubs have failed us. I want to go somewhere else with it. Matthew 22, verse 39, Jesus spoke these words from the Old Testament, the second grade commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. And to the question that was raised to him, who is my neighbor, Jesus tells the good Samaritan story, which at the end of that story turns this question on its head. Jesus' illustration of the good Samaritan does not show who we should consider, who of all the people around us we should consider to be a neighbor, but rather the story shows that we should be a neighbor any time we get the chance to be one which means to everyone in our relational hub, we must be a neighbor. Now, I get it. There's special cases in our lives, right? There are those people in our relational hubs that are quite unhealthy. 
And we have to watch out for enabling and codependency. I get that. I'm talking about loving them properly. And if it's a person in your hub that that is a problem with, loving them properly is not enabling, is it? Being appropriate neighbor is not codependency, right? But let's not let the special case ruin the larger point. The larger point is we want more stories like Todd just told, right? We want this congregation full of those kinds of stories. So let's look at the hub again. Only this time, let's make you a little smaller, all right? And let's not put all the arrows coming into you. Let's put the arrows coming out of you because you have the chance to be that person, one of those people in the story that Todd just told. Don't you want to be a part of a story like that? You have the chance with spouse and with kids and with extended family and with friends and with work and with church family when you hear of struggles, not just to say, well, that stinks for you, but to become involved. Ecclesiastes 4, verse 9. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Here's the point. We're all going to have times when we're the one that falls. If we are properly loving the people we love, none of us will ever fall alone because someone will be there to help them up. That's how this is supposed to work. That's what it means when I say these are the people I love. I am committing myself to be there to help them up. And they're committing themselves to be there to help you up. You can be the reason that no one in your relational hub ever falls alone. By God's grace, may we all be a blessing to everyone in our hub because you know by now, right? These are the people I love. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for the people that loved Todd and Janine through their trial and for the joy those people now experience as they rejoice day by day as they see Sarah and Josh. Lord, you have blessed and I thank you for all the faithful people. But I, I want to go beyond that, Lord, because we don't want the Hannah story here. We want the Todd and Janine story here. So help us to be the kind of people who properly love the ones we love so that if anyone falls, we're right there to help them back up. In Jesus' name, amen.